What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to the lovely Louise Roth, an influencer, TV host, and lifestyle blogger with an amazing background in fashion journalism. After beginning her career as the news editor for Vogue.com in London, Louise has written for countless publications, including LUK, InStyle UK, and so many more. Well known for hosting MTV's lifestyle and makeover show, Plain Jane, and for her red carpet coverage for NBC's Access Hollywood, she also released her first book, Front Row, in 2015, a style guide dedicated to helping women feel more confident, which is also full of wonderful home decor, beauty, and lifestyle tips. With a huge social media following, Louise is super passionate about offering advice and sharing inspiration and tips through her hugely popular blog, also titled Front Row. With a true desire for sharing her love of style with the world and helping women feel inspired and empowered, Louise is also an ambassador for MTV's Bullied campaign and Step Up Women's Network, an organization which helps unprivileged girls achieve their college and career goals. Louise has had an incredible career traveling the world and doing what she loves. And I cannot wait for you to hear this episode where you will discover that it's okay to change direction and chase different goals and dreams as your life evolves. The importance of taking a breath in the hustle and bustle of your day, giving yourself space to be creative. Tips for anyone looking to begin a career in blogging or influencing. The power of collaborating with like-minded people and brands that failure is a stepping stone to success and that if something isn't working for you, you can walk away from it. The importance of setting boundaries in our increasingly full lives. The power of finding perspective when you're feeling a little overwhelmed. That we all need to listen to and nurture our passions. Some fabulous health, beauty and lifestyle tips and so much more. I cannot wait for you to hear this. So let's get right into it. So hi, Louise. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Dream Life podcast. My pleasure. Happy to be here. 
I'm so excited to be speaking with you and I know our listeners are going to absolutely love to hear from you as well. But before we get right into your amazing story and all the inspiration I know you'll have for our listeners, I would like to get to know you a little bit more from your childhood. Was there something in your childhood that you always wanted to, like did you have a dream or something you always wanted to to do? Probably being a professional horse rider. (laughs) Oh, I was obsessed with horses and riding and show jumping and eventing. Um, So that was probably my youngest dream. And then I went through a phase of really wanting to be an interior designer, which funnily enough has now come back around. And um, we'll definitely talk about that more later. And then when I kind of got into the age where you do work experience in your teens, I just became obsessed with magazine publishing. And that is, is something that I did for a long time. And I just wanted to be an editor. So working in TV, was never even a thought that I had so it kind of all came by by a happy accident yeah that's interesting and are you still horse riding no but it's funny you say that because we just moved back to England after living a decade in LA and it is on my top of my list is to start horse riding again it's something that people do here especially you know we're in the countryside rather than London and it's just I really really want to get back into it Yeah, it's just nothing that takes you more into the now and focusing on just where you are right there on the on the horse, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And I think there's exactly that it's fitness, but it's also you're out with nature, usually you're riding in the forest or something beautiful. And I think horses are just such kind of lovely, kind, majestic creatures. And, and to your point as well, I think nowadays, any activity where you really have to focus, and you cannot be on your phone, you know, I love to ski, don't get to do it as much as I'd like to. But that I find really interesting, because you cannot have your phone out while you're doing it. And there are very few activities now where that's the case for everybody across the board. And I think it really makes a difference because people are focused in the moment, whether they're adults or kids. And it's great. It's a nice feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that nature aspect is really always gets me into that kind of mindfulness. And and being on a horse, you also have to be focused on actually being on the horse and not on the ground. (laughs) It's funny, I I grew up with horses as well. And when I was a kid, I never got to travel. So that was all my dreams. And then my little daughter now, she's eight, and she gets to travel the world and all she wants is a horse. So it's a funny how we always dream about things we don't have. Yes, that's very interesting, human psychology. Yeah. <laughs> so you're now a hugely successful health, beauty and lifestyle blogger and a TV host and have had such an incredible career, including being editor of Vogue.com and writing for countless fashion and lifestyle publications, including Elle magazine, which is just amazing. I'd love you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and what you do and how you came to be where you are today. Yeah, I think I think what's great now is that you can do lots of different things and you don't have to be tied to sort of having one lane and sticking in it. And I did start out in magazines. I love them. I think it's quite sad that every week a new another one seems to be uh, folding, although digital publishing is obviously huge and, and exciting. But I worked at Condé Nast when I was in London. Straight after university, I worked at various magazines like the ones you mentioned and really enjoyed it. You know, I worked my way up the, the ladder rungs, as it were, from being the intern through to being sort of one of the editors and writers. And then I used to go out to LA to cover the Oscars every year for Vogue.com. And we had just started Vogue TV. And believe it or not, this makes me sound very old. There wasn't much 
TV online. So Vogue was one of the kind of at the forefront of creating these little videos that I was in charge of hosting, but also producing. We didn't really have a team. So I kind of just had to throw myself in and, and, and learn fast. And I would even help the edit as well. And that has since been fantastic experience that I've still drawn now and use. And so anyway, I'd go out, cover the Oscars and had a few sneaky meetings on the side because I decided that LA was awesome. And then I got so with what ended up being MTV called Plain Jane, which some listeners, listeners might remember. It was a very sweet, motivational makeover show where I spent a week with a young girl who had no confidence for whatever reason. And we would jump out of airplanes and we would do sort of date training so she could learn how to flirt and feel more confident about herself and yes we did make over with the the hair and the makeup and the fashion but there was a lot more to the show than that that went a lot deeper and that's why I was really proud of it and from that I kind of started to garner a bit a bit of a social media following and this is kind of before the word influencer existed before brands were were working in a professional capacity uh with digital influencers. And so it all really did happen quite organically. I ended up with this loyal following of lovely young women that I still have, a lot of them from plain, from watching Plain Jane. And then that turned into a business. So I'm really happy with how, you know, my careers ended up being. But it, I think the key that I've learned is to just be as flexible as possible. Nothing stays the same. There's always something new around the corner. Something doesn't work out something else will. And it's just, yes, stick to your guns in terms of who you are and what your kind of MO is. But it's really important to remember that it's just constantly shifting. Yeah, I so agree with you because I think it's such an exciting time to be alive because there's so much potential. And, you know, just hearing your story, it's just how it starts and how it evolves and how it changes. And and I feel that's what's so exciting for anyone listening now who are young and starting out. There are just, you know, this it's not just like it was, you know, maybe for our parents who often chosen one thing and kept going with that. So I think that's so exciting and that you can learn and you can actually be reaching a global audience so quickly. That's what I find the most fascinating because we at Kiki K we now sell to 147 countries and every time I say that I just think that is just crazy because my my dream when I started Kiki K was to be around in my favorite cities around the world and that was like a big statement because that was actually before the internet which which is hard to believe because my kids do not believe that there was such oh, a thing no. before internet <laughs> <laughs> But it's just fascinating. But I know you released your book, Front Row, How to Be the Leading Lady in Your Own Life, back in 2015. Yeah. How did that come about? And what was that experience like? Because I think so many listeners here, uh, you know, book within them. I think everyone has, but especially this audience. Yes, I loved writing that. It was a true labor of love. I wrote every single word. And the weird thing is, I have been asked quite a few times in interviews if I wrote it. And it's sad that you know, people, I guess, have often have ghostwriters to the point where it's assumed that you might not have. But I can assure you every word in that book was from an experience of mine or, you know, just an opinion or research that I did. And I just loved writing it. It is a style guide, but it, again, much like Plain Jane, goes a lot deeper than that. And we cover everything from uh, fashion and beauty to interior design. And I I talked a lot about my various experiences, even back to being bullied as a kid in high school. And, you know, everyone goes through 
something that knocks their confidence and then being able to turn that around and having no idea that years later I would draw on that to help young women in various situations and I really really love that book and I think it's very cool to have something tangible to actually pick up and say I did this and the reason I wrote it was because I was getting more and more questions on social media about everything from dating to careers, not just the fashion advice. And I launched my blog, uh, Front Row, at the same, the exact time, because I thought I'd really like to have a hub where everyone can go and I can point people and answer these questions, not just to one person on Twitter, but, you know, write, write kind of more in-depth articles. And I've seen that since grown too, you know, now that I have a family, I've got a baby section on the blog, which we launched obviously when I got pregnant, but it's that's now pretty much the most popular section of the website. So it's kind of back to the point of just constantly changing and evolving. And I think my audience has evolved with me because those that were teenagers back when I was doing Plain Jane might now be having babies or thinking about getting married or it's just, I don't know, it's 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 really cool. And I, I feel very lucky to get to do that and I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so agree with that because as you evolve as a person, so so I, when um, when I was pregnant, I had a spreadsheet where I, you know, because I like to be organized and I put everything in in what I needed, and then I sh- used to share that, and then um, we put it into the baby notes, which is now a, you know a, a book that we sell at Kiki K. So I can so relate to as you evolve, you like to just share things and and hopefully that other people or hoping that other people will benefit from it. So absolutely. And I don't know if you find this, but sometimes it's the stuff that you don't think will be that important to someone that is, is the thing that they enjoy hearing from you the most. And, and so that's something I really love too, is that social media for all its kind of pitfalls is also fantastic at just having a two-way conversation. And it's not just always about me sharing my advice. I've had some of the most insightful, supportive, kind, interesting feedback and advice from my followers in turn. And there are, you know, I can remember when I first left Honor for a business trip and I was pretty much in tears in in the car and I just shared it, which, you know, I'm not one who always shares a lot of emotion, but I do sometimes. And I just was overwhelmed with the response, which probably made me cry even more. (laughs) But it was just, and it was true, you know, feeling. And I, I found that to be incredibly sweet. And again, just practical stuff when I was having a baby, you know, certain apps that I'd never have found otherwise. Yeah. And I think that's what's so exciting with blogs and social media, because you can just learn so much and, you know, even podcasts, obviously, where you can pick up tips and tricks. So, so for anyone, uh, you know, looking at you, your life from the outside, and we all know, even though you said you, you don't share a lot of emotion, I'm similar because I feel like I want to inspire people. I have, but sometimes I do share because I feel like so many people think that I live this perfect life, you know, have a business that is perfect, which of course, no business is perfect. Then I often like to share that I go through challenges as well. But for anyone who are listening and wants to do something similar to you in terms of, you know, the, the fashion and the lifestyle, blogging and the travel and all the things that you get to do. What are your tips for for the people out there who want to do something similar? I think it would be very easy to say, oh, the market's so saturated and, you know, it's really tricky now to, to garner a big audience. But I, I don't believe that. I think that for people with some a talent or an, a u- unique point of view, some kind of voice that's perhaps different to the others, there is space for everybody. And I really think it, having a moment to just decide 
am I the girl who, the barefoot traveler, am I going to talk about all the rustic places that I'd love to visit? Or am I more about the sort of the historical city breaks? I think being a bit more niche is important right now. And having good quality photography is absolutely key. And whether that means investing in a camera or someone to help you out at first, doing an online course, I think that's very important. You've got to invest in yourself before you kind of get out there. And then yes, writing from the heart, definitely. Doing your research, because coming from a journalistic background, I do find that I'm a stickler for spelling and grammar and fact checking. And often when you take that into the digital world, because the turnover is so fast, even on big publications, not just with bloggers, the standard tends to slip a bit. So I'm a big one for getting that right. And, you know, you might be what's called a microblogger. You might garner up to 10,000 followers. That is still a, something you can make a career out of. And I know plenty of microbloggers who do have representation and they, they make a great career out of that number of followers. So it's not about having millions and millions. It's about having really engaged, invested um, people. And so I think that collaborating, cross-pollination, you know, do you reach out to DM other people, DM other brands, say, could we get together? Could we do something? You know, you've got to get out there. And I'm doing that right now. I've just come back to London after 10 years. And it's actually really fun to kind of get back out there and have meetings with people. Some I've known for years, some I've never met. And so it is important to kind of really put the effort in and give yourself a minute to also feel creative. And by that, I mean, I think life is so nonstop. It, there is always somebody kind of grabbing your metaphorical sleeve saying, can I have a bit of you? And, you know, reply to this email. We all, no one cares about time zones. No one cares about out of office messages anymore. So it's really important to, to take a breath. And if it's going for a walk or if it's taking yourself to a gallery, going for a coffee on your own for 20 minutes, those are the moments for me when I feel the most inspired and the ideas come to me. I can't get a big idea when I'm trying to answer 25 emails in one minute. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I so can relate to that. But you said something that I thought was really valuable to just recap on, and that is that you get to meet, you know, brands or people. Like I'm just sitting here talking to you and, you know, I I might not have ever come across you if it wasn't for your blog or if it wasn't for the option of, of being able to work globally. And I think that is just so in, in exciting and actually getting out of the, my comfort zone in terms of starting a podcast. That was something that wasn't, you know, English being my second language and, and you know, I'm a scattered person. I get excited and I forget about things. And, and, and I always thought I would be a nightmare to have my own podcast but I, I asked myself the questions if I couldn't fail what would I do you know I did that last year and the podcast came up and I thought I'm just going to give it a go and I think sometimes we just have to really throw ourselves into go out of the our comfort zone and try something and it doesn't mean that if you don't want to do it and continue with it you can obviously um, change but for me this has been the most amazing like that's this is actually my favorite part of my job now because I get to meet so many inspiring people and I know after this chat I will just be like so inspired to even create more so I think meeting so many amazing people is like really the highlight of everything that we're doing that's an amazing thing to say and I, I couldn't agree more about just throwing yourself in I remember the night before I moved to LA and I was in my mid-20s and way braver I think than I am now I just went and my mom and I remember she turned around she said you know you can always come back it doesn't matter if you don't like it you can come home it's not failing 
And I think that that for me was a real light bulb moment. And I think it's intensified by a hundred now. I think millennials feel such a huge pressure to sort of launch something that is massive, Mark Zuckerberg massive. And yeah. not, it's all relative. Success is relative. Happiness is relative to, to you, what that means to you and your family or your small group of friends. And I think that you can say no, try something and then turn away from it. And that's okay. That is absolutely not failing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've said this many times on this podcast, but I, was, I think we can never hear it enough. And Ariana Huffington, who's who's one woman that I admire a lot, she has this quote saying, failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is the stepping stone to success. And and a lot of people that I follow always say, you know, you need to fail 100 times this year, otherwise you're not trying hard enough. And and sometimes when we dream, have really massive dreams. Like it's you can't make them all perfect. You have to really try and then try yeah. hard and then try it again in a different way yeah. and we have here uh, in the office don't say no say how there's always a way you just sometimes have to try different ways oh I love that don't say no say how love it yeah oh I might have yeah. to use that <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah I'll send you a photo of it so you can have it on your on your um, vision board brilliant <laughs> so I know you've been working your way through uh, your Dream Life Starts Here book and journal, which I'm very excited about. And I just wanted to see, is dreaming something that you do often or is that something that is quite new to you? I know you obviously had lots of big goals, but dreaming I feel like is a little bit of a difference because then you ask yourself, what would I do if I couldn't fail, if I had all the money, the resources and the knowledge and you know the health and the energy and the time, what would I do with my life? So have you found that way of thinking useful? See, that's so interesting because I take dreaming partly like that. And no, I don't do it as much as I'd like, but I do, I am that girl who's a real romantic. And if I could, I'd be off daydreaming way more than I do. And so, yes, I have definitely got a lot of goals, especially right now. We're renovating a house. We've just moved countries. You know, I'd like for us to have a bigger family at some point. I'm like, when am I going to fit that in? But I also think that dreaming for me, like I love to read novels and I love to travel somewhere like Paris or we went to Prague last winter. And th those often, I think, not that you need to go to Paris in order to dream at all. I'm not saying that. But I think if you're able to move your physical position, go go into a, you know, a beautiful field, whatever it is that kind of changes you out of your sitting on the sofa moment, that can often spark a bit of a, a, a dream. And, and, you know, I love watching period dramas. I just love, a, well, I suppose a lot of it for me is, is historical context. And I sort of love reading more about the past. So for me, dreaming is not necessarily about specific lists of things that, you know, I want to achieve. It is definitely part of that. But it's also maybe finding a quote that's really inspired me, like the one you just gave me now, or you might meet somebody who just gives you a slightly different perspective or makes you laugh till you cry. And I think that those are all moments that slightly like change our mood or atmosphere that day. And, and I don't know if I'm really <laughs> explaining myself very well, but I think the word dream is so interesting. It can encompass all sorts of things, or it's reading a book to my daughter and seeing her learn a new word and her face light up as she realizes something new or understands something new. Those are all elements of dreaming, I think, to me. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, sometimes, you know, doing less is dreaming yeah. in terms of I have in I have in my book, I'm not sure if you got through that yet, but I have in my book that to create your dream day in terms of, you know, what's your perfect, when I say perfect, there's no such a thing. But, you know, if you could have your perfect day, what would that include? Yeah. And for me on Sundays, for example, that is like, you know, have nowhere to go and nowhere to be and just get up and drink endless cups of teas. And, and you know, I don't, cook as much as I'd like to but I have a, a love being inspired by cookbooks and then I just sit and look at them and even though if, <laughs> if I don't cook from them they create, they're creative and they are you know beautiful to photography and offer beautiful stories and you know for me that's like my perfect dream day and some of my friends think this is the most boring everyone not everyone but a lot of people a lot of my friends you know love going out for brunch and meeting up and being social while well, I'm the absolute opposite but so for dreaming for me is where you're actually really you know connect to your heart and actually what is true for you, whatever that is. And that's one of my favorite days is obviously Sundays because it's it's a day where I don't have to do anything. But I also do my favorite Friday, which is for me to try to always meet someone inspiring on a Friday because I have um, the opportunity to go to my kids' schools and then I meet someone for coffee after. And that is also so inspiring because that's where I learn and that's why I, I sometimes come back with more dreams because they might have shared dreams. Yeah. I do love that. And my dream day, I know this sounds a bit silly, but buying myself flowers. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone ever does that really. And it's like, why not? You can buy yourself flowers. That's part of my dream day. Mm, absolutely. Well, I'm definitely one of them. I love buying flowers for myself. I think just being in a flower shop is inspiring. Yes, it is. Yeah. So to an outsider, your life seems incredibly glamorous, but I know we're all human, so I'm sure there'll be some ups and downs and lessons along the way. What would you say is your, have been your biggest obstacle that you've faced so far and, and how did you overcome them? Gosh, in my whole life or just recently? Any, whatever you want to share. It doesn't matter. I think towards the end of living in LA after 11 years there, and that's a long span of time because I went from being young and single and, you know, full of energy going out every night and living in a one bedroom apartment to living in, in a family home with a baby. And it sort of dawned on me that I had no family there. And so for honor, it was always, you know, we would have to pay somebody to look after her if we ever wanted to go out or do anything. And it was just a moment where I thought, you know, I want her to be with her family more. Um, I think those early years, well, any years as a grandparent are so important and her aunties and cousins. And I really, it was, I was already feeling a little bit like I missed England and there were elements from like cozy pubs to to the countryside to to my my dear friends who are still you know really my closest friends my my gang back here and it, I just felt kind of it was it was very emotional I was like I need I need to get back but it wasn't something we could do really quickly and I'll always love LA I didn't I didn't want to get to the stage where I really just resented it or couldn't wait to leave it wasn't like that it's, it's a great city that's been fantastic to me but you know, we, we were in the hills, which is lovely, but we couldn't even go for a walk outside our front door. We couldn't walk to anything. And, you know, people always talk about the traffic in LA and it is true. You do, you do drive everywhere. And with a young child that suddenly became not good. And so, you know, we talked at length and I did have to convince my husband of it. 
<laughs> but we decided to come back. And, and even though it has rained a lot since we got back, so happy. I feel much calmer as a person. And I was saying to you before we started recording that the, the seasons again and seeing all the leaves turn orange and yellow. And it's just, it's where I grew up and it's where my husband grew up. And I, I'm happy for honor to, to sort of put her wellies on and go jump in muddy puddles, which is what she's been doing and loving. You know, I didn't think, oh gosh, U-turn, I think it's time to go home. Then it was a challenge. And certainly at first when my husband said, no, I'm not done here. You know, I want to spend a few more years here. And I, I sort of felt quite strongly that I just, I don't know, I wasn't getting any happier there. That's putting it mildly. And I think another challenge I felt that I wrote about and again had a really big response to this because I think I mean that I don't know the exact statistics but the amount of women that are now self-employed or have their own company freelance maternity leave the concept of it just it's not the same as it was plus America has appalling rights for women on on maternity leave in fact I don't think it's even a legal requirement in a lot of companies and I wrote about it because I had struggled with particularly what I do, I knew that it's not like I could just be like, see you in a few months, guys, because the 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 highlight of what people want to see was me having a baby. Has she been born yet? You know, how are you feeling? How do you look? Are you back in shape? And there's a lot of that. So I, and I'm, you know, I'm mentally very strong. I wasn't going to worry about how fast I got back into shape. I truly was not, that uh, was not a, a priority. You got too much else to worry about. It was definitely, you know, we we did a lot of the way we overcame that, the sort of not know but how, was that we sat down as a team and said, right, how much content can we kind of write that will still be relevant, but it's banked essentially. Um, and it's hard to bank photos when you've got an eight and a half month belly. But we definitely did as much of that. So I would have a little bit of breathing room to kind of have things going up on the blog still and consistency. And you know, all everyone talks about is algorithm. And if you don't keep posting regularly, you you do drop off the edge. So it was important that we still had a lot of content going up. And, and that was a business decision that we all worked hard around. But I, I hear about it the whole time is is just this juggle of of women trying to have maternity leave, but really getting nothing and feeling like they've got to answer emails. And I, I, like I said earlier, I think, I don't know if you find this, but if you ever put out of office on, people just ignore it and they just know that you're going to see it anyway and expect a response. There's just never a moment where you can actually say no. No, but I think we have to make some own rules. I actually decided a few years ago that I had an out-of-office reply saying that I actually don't reply to emails. <laughs> and I got so much. Some people were inspired by it. Some people didn't like it <laughs> because I had a um, personal assistant. So she, so I asked people to contact her because I just could not keep up. And for me, email, it just, I just couldn't yeah. sit with that because I wanted to create products and then I wanted to spend time with family. So I, I decided that email wasn't going to be where I spent my time. But saying that, of course, I did a little bit here and there and definitely internally, but just because I you, you get contacted from so many directions. And what I find most challenging now is actually not 
emails because now you have LinkedIn, you have direct messages on Instagram mm-hmm. and Messenger and WhatsApp. I, I, I find it almost impossible. So sometimes, you know, my friends is like, are you even around? And I'm like, I can't keep up. Where, where did you actually send me the message? And I'm missing things because I find it actually was better with email because then I could control it a bit more. Now I find it's all over the place. Too many modes of communication. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being a bit of a scattered person, I find it really quite hard to, <laughs> to actually remember where, where, where everything was. But anyway, that's, but, but yeah, now going back to what we were talking about in terms of, of balancing, I think we all have to, to decide what kind of our rules or what we want to do or not want to do, because otherwise it actually takes over your life and you can easily get burnt out. Totally. Yeah. And I think that, that we're seeing that a lot in all sorts of people, some in the public sector and some not, but the burnout is definitely real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we don't definitely don't want that. So um, talking about that, have you got some routines that you can share with our listeners in terms of any rituals or routines that you have been finding really, I guess, um, useful f- for keeping that balance? Yes, I have actually. And some are definitely more healthy than others. I haven't worked out now for since we got back about a month and a half ago, but I'm also not giving myself a hard time about that. It's it's a crazy time. But usually I love to work out and I find that it's a real mental help. And depends how I feel. I might do something more gentle like Pilates or I'll do something more cardio like uh, circuit training or um, spinning or something like that. But I find that that's another place where you can't have your phone and you can't think about stuff. Um, you know, if you're working out really hard, you you don't have the brain capacity to worry about the list. It's just focusing on, you know, surviving. <laughs> and then the other thing that I have recently found out about and actually am re- reading about and I'm going to start practicing is sophrology. Have you ever heard of it? No. no this is amazing. It's it is a practice that it basically combats anxiety, but also can help. A lot of athletes will use it in the lead up to a big event. You should totally Google it because it's the most simple, fascinating. And so how do you do it? So Tell me. It's been around since the 1950s and it's so big in Europe, countries like Spain, France, Italy, and in Switzerland, it's even paid for as part of your health it's in it's on health insurance it's it's covered that's how much they believe in it and essentially i mean i'm not the expert but it's a very simple sequence of breathing techniques where you sit in a chair or you stand up and for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or even 5 minutes you basically take various deep breaths and because i'm really bad at meditation i've tried so many times and i'm just no good at it this is actually a lot easier for me anyway and i've looked into the science of it and it does have an actual physical effect on your nervous system and what's the other system anyway something that helps calm you down physically and there's a lady called dominique who's in london and she's french she's fantastic and she learned from the actual founder so you can read her book or she's got uh, videos on youtube or you can actually go and see her but it's i found that i was struggling i was overwhelmed felt overwhelmed all the time and i've always been quite an a type person who likes to get things done when i say i'm going to get them done and i think having a child obviously throws all that into the air and so i started to experience a lot more anxiety this year than i've ever felt before and there were a couple of moments in la where i felt it physically i felt my chest get very tight and i was like this is no good because it wasn't particularly linked to anything stressful it would be on a normal day and that's when i thought okay i think there's something going on here that's 
that's not, you know, it wasn't like I'd been through something awful. And, and that explained why I felt that way that day. And she just said that, you know, lack of sleep can really mess with your anxiety levels. And just when you do have a child, you're, you're not really in control anymore. And so for certain people, myself included, who like to feel things are under control, that can kind of tip you over, the balance is sort of off. So that's, that's something that I am really fascinated by. And like I said, I've only just been to see her and I'm going to write about it after I've kind of tried the practice you do 10 minutes a day. And then yeah, my list, my kind of routine would definitely be, and I'm sorry, a good glass of red wine. It just makes me feel better. I'm, you know, by no means overdoing it. I have, you know, I don't know, three, four a week, not on the same night. But I think having a drink or sitting, having a great meal with friends is something that totally relaxes me and it, and you need to do it to switch off. So those are three very different kind of areas, but they, they're things that really help me. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I think breathing, absolutely. I I actually did a course in meditation quite a few years ago, and that really got me to be, I guess, deeper into it and really understanding it. And lately, uh, one of my big heroes is Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you heard of him, American brain researcher and absolutely fascinated with all his work. So that might be another one to look into yes. for anyone. And his meditations are amazing. No, I'm just fascinated by the difference in brains, like pre and post meditation. There is actually a complete change, isn't there, in the, in the sort of physiology? Yeah, absolutely. And also um, with Dr. Joe's, he talks about, you know, being addicted to to emotions that we might have, you know, have um, experienced in the past. And he talks about uh, not being, uh, identify yourself by the past, but actually creating your new future and, and really thinking about your future versus uh, define yourself by the past. So I think you'll like him as well. So I know you're a huge advocate for living a healthy lifestyle and cooking healthy, tasty food. So can you share with us one meal that you do all the time that is healthy and quick and that you can cope with when having young kids? Yes. And, you know, I'm lucky. My husband loves to cook and he, he cooked mostly the, in the evenings. I take the baby up to give her a bath and put her to bed and do story time. And he will cook. Um, he kind of likes to put the music on, open a beer or whatever, and 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 that's his time. So I'm very lucky that I don't actually cook that much. But when I do, I love a bowl. And I feel like those, they came out of Australia. You know, mixing, I'll always have a big batch of quinoa or couscous or something ready. And I usually cook it in stock just to give it a bit of extra flavor and some fresh herbs. And then I sort of use that as the basis for a bowl. So I might do some salmon with a little bit of miso or sweet chili on top and then some greens in there, whether it's bok choy or just rocket. And then honestly, I'm a big one for throwing whatever's in the fridge in there. Yesterday, I put blueberries on top of my salad. You know, some I've discovered vegan cheese and I absolutely love it. So I kind of that's not a particularly professional chef style meal but I do love a big bowl and it just it's just all you know full of vitamins full of different colors loads of veggies and they're just kind of quite easy yeah yeah I love a good bowl as well and I think 
something ready to go like that, like quinoa or couscous or whatever, or even brown rice is so handy. And then just do whatever whatever you have in the fridge. It, yeah, exactly. Even smoked salmon sometimes if you don't have time to um, get fresh is also a really good one. So thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm going to put that on my little list to do more of those because I do love them. <laughs> what is the best health or beauty tip you have ever been given? I'm sure you've been given yes. so many considering your field, <laughs> but is there any you'd like to share with us? Yeah, big question. I think, you know, recently I've ditched the primer. For years, I was all about primer underneath makeup. But I mean, unless somebody can recommend one that doesn't make your skin look matte, it was taking all the dewiness away. And so I really love dewy skin. And I think that it's a great brand called Kosas, K-O-S-A-S. And they do an amazing a mix between a foundation and an oil which I'd never you know it sounds like it would be really greasy but it's not at all and that that is an incredible kind of light skin primer not primer um just you know gives an amazing complexion yeah that's really really great and then it sounds so cliche to say drink loads of water but the other thing that makes a big difference in skin the two ingredients i would say that i can see a difference in my skin would be avocado and salmon very high in healthy fats and omegas and i actually had my makeup artist she said the other day i can see the difference in your skin because you're literally eating an avocado a day or half an avocado a day so i think those are wonder foods because it does help having it come from the inside out if you can yeah um, you know products are great but it's got a really it makes a difference from the inside yeah absolutely and I can yeah. being flying a lot I I can see straight away in my in my face when I've I haven't been drinking so much water so yes. absolutely oh planes kill kill you I take uh, an avocado on the plane with me though because I find the food's always okay and that kind of really just helps it <laughs> taste a little bit better yeah yeah I'm the same and I I, I go to like a raw food store before I go you know in any city really and bring that on and then I have my teas with me and avocados and yeah and my nuts so I'm the same because I feel like it was yeah I think it's fine if you fly every now and then to eat airplane food but when you fly a lot and it's not really the most inspiring food to eat no <laughs> I believe one of the greatest obstacles we face as adults is that we tend to let self-doubt and limiting beliefs hold us back from reaching our true potential and achieving our dream life. Have you got any tips for anyone who is dealing with that self-doubts and limiting beliefs? Yes, I definitely think that at the moment, you know, you've read the statistics on young children experience anxiety at the moment on a level that's so much higher than it's ever been. And, and it makes me really sad because I do think that social media plays a great big part in that. You know, you're able to now see pictures that aren't always real of people to you compare yourself to. And it's human nature. I, I find myself doing it sometimes and seeing other influencers uh, doing jobs that perhaps I didn't know about or, you know, and you start thinking, oh gosh. And and it it's definitely, you can, imposter syndrome, I think is, is really big. You know, I think important to sort of turn back to your nearest and dearest in that moment, because we often compare ourselves to complete strangers, or we think we know complete strangers. And we don't, you know, it's just very important to, to sort of shut the computer by 6pm or whenever you can. And, and just remember, and I'm talking to whether this, you know, is a teenager or an adult, and just remember that the sort of what the important things in life are. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. 
but I totally get it when people, you know, doubt themselves because I, I definitely, like I say, go through that myself as well. I think it's also quite, I was talking to a friend the other day and I think it's very easy at the moment to sort of think, oh, the whole world centers around this one thing, whether that's one thing is you or, you know, something on social media. It can be easy to lose perspective on the bigger picture. There's so much other stuff going on in the world that really matters and is of, you know, true, terrible things going on or different significance. And so I think sometimes it can actually help when you're getting really caught up and worrying about this sort of small bubble, and LA very much was a bubble, um, to take yourself out if you can, watch the world news or, uh, you know, chat to somebody who is not in your industry whatsoever or somebody who's 85 um, because they will just give you a slightly different perspective. And I think it's important every now and again just to have that kind of remove yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also I think remember that you are judging a life that is just seeing one side because we often don't share, as we talked about earlier, that we often share the inspiring side of ourselves but not always the challenging side. So I think uh, there's always two sides to a life, of course. And also I think in terms of criticism that people tend to, I guess, worry about and, you know, feel, you know, losing some of of their um self-worth or is those comments that might not be so nice and I always try to look at those comments like they are people who are judging you that don't actually know you so if they don't if they if you don't respect them as knowing them and then don't take bad comments from people that actually don't know you because then it's just a bad spiral you can never control other people and you can always you are in control of your own feelings and also knowing that their comments is reflected on them not you and I, I think we all forget about that. I think it's also easy to spend so much energy on that one negative comment. And what about the five, 10, 50 positive comments? You know, someone once said that to me and I've never forgotten it. You know, it's very easy to kind of go, oh, I'm going to reply to that or I'm going to rant about that all day. That one negative comment, forget them. Aren't the people who are being supportive and kind the people that you should be spending your energy on? Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're going to reply to anything, reply to the good people. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good one. So from fashion and style to inspiring others to live their best life, you're someone with many passions and you really seem to be living your true purpose. What advice would you give to others trying to figure out what their passions and purpose may be? That's so interesting because I think I've still got a lot of more purpose to figure out and, and I'm excited about that. And I definitely feel that I've got more to give on, in the charitable space. You know, I work with various charities. I've worked with um, Step Up before, which is an amazing platform in the US for young women. I mentor them going into college. Dress for Success, which is really famous and amazing, helps women get jobs by giving them the right outfit for the interview, which is interesting. But I'm so I feel like I've got a lot more to kind of now that I'm back in England, go out and explore and, and figure out who I want to go and work with. The National Literary Association is something that really matters to me, which is uh, helping children not only read, but also get books because um, one in eight children here doesn't even own a book. It's unbelievable. And you wouldn't you wouldn't think that. And so I think how you can't always force yourself to figure out your purpose. You know, you can't be like, right, 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 you know, tapping your nails. It, it does it does have to come to you a little bit. But I think as you, you know, chatting to someone who you might see as a mentor to help open up your imagination a bit, or when you do spend that day that where you've gone to the gallery or you've gone and played a really cool game of sport or 
things that make you feel more inspired than usual, you know, listen to those things. I think even social media, you know, I've said some negative things about it, but on a positive side, it can be unbelievably inspiring. You can find out about people and crafts and, you know, images that you've never seen before in countries you've never visited before. And so that, if used the right way, can definitely be inspiring for, for finding your purpose and your passion. It's just so personal, isn't it? For me, it's it's reading books, but that for my husband would, would not be his passion at all. Like, yes, I'll tell you a funny story. So yesterday I went to a charity shop on a Sunday and I've been looking for some old cloth covered books. So really, you know, more than 50 years old to put on my desk in the new house. And that's my sort of little area that's all mine and, and for me to feel inspired to write at. And in the, in the, window of a charity shop, I saw about five old red leather Charles Dickens books. And he's one of my favorite writers. I studied him very much at uni. And I, you know, he was, oh my God. Anyway, they turned out to be five pounds, not each, altogether, one pound each, very, very cheap. I couldn't quite believe it. And I got them home and I was kind of thumbing through them and they've got really thin old paper. And then something fell out of one of them. And it was actually a cutting an original cutting from a newspaper dated 1928. And it was something about Dickens. Then another piece of paper fell out, then another piece of paper. And whoever had owned them, and his initials were in the back because he'd made notes and dated those notes. They were all 1928, 1929. Um, He had kept cuttings about various Dickens novels from newspapers of the time. And you should have seen my reaction. I was almost in tears. I was so excited. I was like, this is like buried treasure. This is incredible. And I just can't believe the history. And I love that no one's found these. And also I love the fact that whoever owned these books really loved Dickens and they weren't just there as a sort of, you know, pretty thing to put in the bookcase. And Mackenzie, my husband was laughing at me because my reaction was just like quite emotional, but that was my thing. And that's what I love. And I'm passionate about it. And I couldn't have been happier with how that all turned out. And now they're going to a loving home to someone else who loves that same writer. I mean, that's quite, I know I've gone off on a real tangent, but I think it just shows that, that really your own passion and it is so personal. You're, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think really listening to that, because I think sometimes we're so influenced by other people that we kind of forget our own passions. And I'm the same because, you know, I could, I, you know, one of my favorite thing when I'm traveling, if I have like, I try to not do much on Sundays, unless I really have to um, work wise when I'm traveling and Sunday in a hotel room with like five books and reading like a few pages in each every hour. It's like my kind of favorite Sunday. And some of my friends would think that it's most boring when you can go out and explore but we all have our different passions and of course I love exploring as well but just having that kind of because that's where a lot of my ideas come from is when I'm reading or out walking or or just really spending time quietly yes me too yeah. so I can definitely definitely relate to the excitement um, of those I get it <laughs> Okay. So talking about inspiration, I know that you have worked in so many different amazing, you know, places like in, you know, obviously meeting a lot of people through your what you're doing now, but also as a TV host and writer. So you must have met so many fascinating people. I would love to know who inspires you now. I have actually. I've been lucky I think that's one of the coolest parts of my job is that I have interviewed pretty much every like movie star and design. And just when I was at Vogue, I was flown to Moscow for the opening of the Ralph Lauren flagship store. And I got to interview Ralph Lauren and what a family, you know. 
and I mean Martin Scorsese, the, all the paparazzi stopped. So, you know, they're usually shouting people's names so they can get pictures, and they all stopped and they said, Mr. Scorsese. I've never heard the paparazzi called anyone Mr. It was so sweet. They really respected him. And I mean, there are people I haven't met who I'm very inspired by, like Michelle Obama. Just and it, my friend went to see her speak last week and said she was just blown away by how eloquent and powerful she was. And then to be honest, it might sound cheesy, but my mom is such an inspiration to me. She's she's really like a best friend. And, and I, I think you can go and meet super famous, important people. But actually, sometimes the most inspiring person is right under your nose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I would love to finish off this super inspiring chat by a few questions. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? Be kind. I think that's underrated. Don't have to stamp on people's backs to get to the top. Quite the opposite. I think they've got a big task ahead of them in terms of the environment. And so I I think they're an amazing generation and the one below that as well. There's a lot to do and I hope we can still be around to help. But yes, I think just be kind and also enjoy the journey because it isn't all about the destination. And, and, And I know, again, that sounds cliche, but really you've got to sort of enjoy the parts of, of getting there, no matter what that entails. Yeah, absolutely. Good answer. Did we, I know we've spoken a little bit about the routines, but do you have any particular morning routine? Maybe it's a little bit difficult now when you have a young baby, but is there anything particular you do in the morning? Actually, I love it more now than ever because she's part of it. Um, it, I mean, we often will just bring her in. She loves to go under the covers, as she calls it, and we'll bring her in bed with us and read a couple of stories. And she just loves that. And then we'll all go downstairs and have breakfast together. I have to have my English tea. I used to go and find my my English tea bags, Earl Grey, in in LA. (laughs) And tea and toast, very basic. But I, I love the the routine of it. And actually, it's it's funny you ask that because with our daughter, she's almost two, we're very aware that it could be quite unsettling moving, not just countries, but we are renting a lot of houses before we you know get into our final one where we're going to stay. And it could be very unsettling. So the one thing that I keep exactly identical every single day, so she has that kind of grounding and uh, from routine is is the breakfast morning routine. And I read her the same couple of stories on my lap when we have um, and we share share our toast so it's I think it's it's sort of good for kids to have that sense of yeah and I think you know the the small little things you know my kids are a little bit older now but what they love like I always bring it's you know it's funny saying the English I'm obviously not English but I love Earl Grey tea so I bring my own so yeah (laughs) I love a specific (laughs) brand and then I bring that so my kids love because I'm a being grown up in Sweden, I we we have a lot of candles. So so if we go if we rent a house down the beach or or in the mountains, I always bring candles because I feel like that's you know that makes it every meal. Even if you the house is not perfect house, it's you no know, such a thing as perfect, of course. But you know if it's a house that you don't yeah. like as much, candles make such a difference in terms of like, of the atmosphere. And that's how I grew up. And my kids have grown up with that. And in my eleven year old son said the other day, he said, I just love that you always bring candles wherever we go and I think you know those little small things really makes a difference so having those little routines is it's really good for kids and and also how amazing that he acknowledged it and said it because we're obviously far off from that stage but I think that must be so cool when they go actually mum well done thanks for doing that you know I can't imagine 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I canvas every single morning, even if it's summer here. And it's just one thing that I do. So it's, it's just part of their life. So I think they, you, yeah. And you don't really know if they appreciate it, but definitely when they get older and Axel is definitely one of them now. So it's really Aww. nice. We both spoke about the love of reading. Have you got a favorite book? And if yes, why? Um, I think all time would be um, A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. It's just really gripping. It's got the historical context of the French Revolution, which makes it sound like it's really heavy. It's not. And I think that's a sort of really good classic novel. I love reading older children's books too, ones that were sort of written before the digital age. Um, yeah. There's a really sweet one actually called Magic in My Pocket. And I just love the simplicity of older children's books. Whether I mean, that's whether I'm reading them out to honour or not. Sometimes I'll just read them on my own. But yeah, how about you? You know, I'm a bit of a self-development book lover. So I tend to actually not reading much novels anymore. So I tend to reread a lot of books that I love in terms of the books that made a big difference. So um, one would be The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And it's just a really simple self-development book that every time I read it I just get reminded that you know it's the small things that you do every day that makes a difference and then another one that I really love is Gretchen Rubin she's been on my podcast uh, from New York um, The Happiness Project it's a really beautiful one too especially when you have kids I find that that it just makes you realize that every day is special and you can do small little things like a couple of things that I actually got out of that of um, The Happiness Project and her second book is the, the little traditions that I do at Halloween and Valentine's Day so I I do breakfast for my kids for Valentine's Day and Halloween. And Halloween is basically just some scary stuff with some snakes and things like that. And I think it's the most simple thing and it takes me like five minutes to set up and it's nothing stylish about it, but the kids love it. So just small things like that, but that is definitely, but I have so many, it's like, it's almost impossible to name my favorite book because there's so many that I love. Yeah. Yeah, I've written those down. Those are lovely. Thanks for those. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the podcast, I always ask these questions and a lot of my podcast guests have have shared so many amazing books that I've written down. But I can definitely send you my whole list as well. I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationary product. I mean, lots of favorite Kiki K products. I use the gold pen every day. I keep that in my handbag. It's so fancy. I just Aww. I feel like I love writing with a fancy pen. I love the notebook that says be happy on the front. I think I love both the colors but also such a simple thing uh, phrase to just remind yourself that you know not every day can happy be, happiness be a choice but on many days it can be and it's actually it's a good reminder. And I also love the little bag that you can wear as what do you call I don't know if you call them the same, like a, a bum bag. You can wear it as like on your belt. Um, yep. that I've been using so much because as a mum and also on what we basically have a building site for a house right now. And so having two hands free where I've literally got a measuring tape in one hand and a pen in the other, I've been using all your stuff on that project. 
all the time because I'm, I'm going there pretty much every day to make notes and have discussions. So having a, a bag that you don't have to hold is fantastic. And it looks oh. super cute too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love, love those. Colors. I love the messaging. And I, I, you know, when we first were in touch, I, I think I said that I found your story when I was in Melbourne about gosh, seven years ago. Could Is it that yeah. old, the store? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I was like, no, I'm obsessed with this store. I think it was towards Christmas. It was the the Melbourne Cup. That's towards Christmas, November, right? Yep, yep, November, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's lovely. You know, it's funny, the gold pen comes up a lot on the episode, so, and that's my favourite as well. So, and um, team in stores often said that people come in because of, uh, they've heard about it on their, web, uh, on their podcast, so that's quite funny. You should do a rose gold <laughs> one. That would be we have, we, Yeah, we do have that in rose gold. Oh, it comes yeah. in rose gold. Yeah, I'll send you some. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we have them in rose gold and we have them in, in silver and black. And even, you know, my favorite color being yellow, have that yeah. as well. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Ah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Don't worry so much. I think I was a big, I still am a worrier, if I'm honest, but I worried about everything at school. I worried about boys, I worried about exams. And, you know, I think if, especially when you're a teenager and you're in high school, it can often feel like the walls of, of that high school corridor are as big as life gets, but it's, it's a lot wider world out there where there are, you know, so many different kinds of people and in a good way. So I think I would try and convince myself to just stop worrying so much. Yeah, I think we all need to be reminded of that, especially in today's world, because there is a lot to worry about if we choose to. But actually, knowing <laughs> knowing that a lot of the the worrying is probably things that we can control ourselves or or choose not to worry about. So I think that was a perfect ending to this super inspiring chat. Thank you so much, Louise, for taking your time. I know you live a very full life, so I'm very, very grateful. And thank you so much for your support. And I'm super excited to continue following your inspiring journey. And for everyone who's listening, there is so much inspiration on your blog and everything that you're doing and for us to be inspired to do something as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. I've loved this chat, really. I've learned so much and it's an absolute pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. I just loved speaking with Louise. I hope you're feeling as inspired as I am after this chat. I absolutely love her thoughts on taking the time to look at things from a different perspective when we are feeling a little bit overwhelmed and how we should try to remember the positives even when we face something negative. Something else we are very aligned on is the importance of nurturing our passions, no matter what they may be. As Louise says, our passions are so personal to us and we really need to listen to them and make time for them. This is something I believe very strongly in, which is why I have dedicated chapters in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, to finding and exploring your passions and how this can help you move towards finding your true purpose. If you haven't got a copy of my book yet, it's full of tips and inspiration to help you on the path to living the life of your dreams. It's also full of wonderful stories from some of the most inspiring people who have worked very hard to achieve their dreams. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. 
I would also love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this message by sharing our podcast with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. And if you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.